Our epistle is taken from the letter to the Colossians, chapter 2, beginning from verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ, Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have come to fullness in him, who is the head of every ruler and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a spiritual circumcision, by putting off the body of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him when he forgave us all our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands. He set this aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Lynn. Invite you to stand for the gospel. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, don't bother me. The door has already been locked and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him 
whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there any among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. Please be seated. As a young Christian, and actually even before I even became a Christian, giving my life to the Lord, I experienced something of the big evangelistic rallies that were common in the 60s and 70s. Billy Graham, Louis Palau and others. Incidentally, uh, I heard only last Sunday about Billy Graham's son, Franklin Graham, speaking at a rally last Saturday at the Excel in London. Jenny and I watched it later in the week on YouTube and hundreds and hundreds went forwards. It happened that Dave Armstrong was there on that occasion, so if you bump into him in the weeks to come, ask him about it. However, as a young Christian, I heard the frequent criticism of such great rallies. How many were still walking with Jesus 12 months later was the criticism. But I come to realise that care (coughs) is needed here. The famous parable of the sower still applies. What's far more important to realise and give thanks for is that some of the folks who went forward are or did continue to walk with Jesus, to stay the course. Indeed, I can remember hearing of many a significant Christian leader in the last century who attributed their coming to faith at a Billy Graham rally. So why, you may ask, am I talking about this? Well, it stems from Paul's instruction to the Colossians at the beginning of our epistle. So then, writes Paul, just as you received Christ as Lord... 
continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Thus, the just as you received Jesus Christ, perhaps at a big evangelistic rally, or at an alpha course, or whatever, the call is to continue in him. (coughs) Rooted, built up, strengthened, overflowing with thankfulness. But of course the question often asked, particularly of young Christians, is, well, how? How do I get built up? How do I continue? Well, one obvious and vital way is to read this book, preferably every day. Another way, of course, is to listen to my sermons. No, I'm only joking. But, of course, one other vital way is prayer. It's what Jesus addresses in our gospel passage this morning. And that's what I want to look at this morning. One day, Jesus was praying. Well, there's nothing new there, is there? We're often told in the Gospels that he got up very early in the morning and went off on his own to pray. In Mark chapter 1, for example, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. But here, evidently, the disciples were with him, listening, watching as he prayed. Hence the request, Lord, teach us to pray. I'm sure what they expected was some form of words, some liturgical prayer, the kind of prayer that we often pray all together, the collect or the confession or whatever. In fact, on the face of it, it seems that that's exactly what they got, what we've come to know as the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father. In this particular chapter of Luke, it seems that it's been shortened a little bit compared with the more familiar one from the Sermon on the Mount. I'm sure that you've heard many, many sermons on this amazing and wonderful prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. I was looking through my records of sermons over the years and I counted at least 30 times when I've preached on the Lord's Prayer. Incidentally, the last time I preached on it here was this very Sunday, New Wine Sunday, as it were, three years ago. But it's not my intention today to speak about the Lord's Prayer itself. 
Because I don't believe that God intended it to be a sort of standalone prayer. The sort of things that we kind of rush through or we mumble through because it's so familiar. I believe that it was meant to be an outline, that each stanza was a heading to remind us that when we pray, not if, when we pray, we can pray about everything, everything that's on the table, as it were. And today, when I do the intercessions in a little while, I'm going to use the Lord's Prayer in that way. However, my focus this morning, in view of what Paul wrote, was to look at Jesus' comments following him saying, when you pray. And they fall into two categories. One, it's about us. And secondly, it's about our Heavenly Father. So first of all, Jesus says something about prayer and us, you and me, when we pray. In this somewhat amusing parable, put yourself in the place of one of the two main characters. You might be the unexpected host. Somebody suddenly arrived at your house at midnight looking for a bed and something to eat. Or perhaps you might be the sleepy neighbour. Jesus makes two points from this story. One, about relationship. And two, about persistence. First, about relationship. Clearly, the unexpected host and the sleepy neighbour were friends. They lived next door to one another. They knew one another probably pretty well. Jesus here is reminding us that prayer is not some remote conversation with somebody who is somewhere up there and distant. We're not praying to some impersonal deity or even worse, to a lump of wood or stone, however beautifully carved. Prayer is communication with a person. A person with whom, through Jesus, we have relationship. I hope all of us here this morning know that. If there's any here who are not sure, then do have a word with me afterwards. But Jesus also speaks about persistence. If you want an example of persistence, have a word with Jenny after the service, because yesterday we were married for 56 years. That 
is persistence in my book. But remember, Jesus points out that the unexpected host kept knocking, kept knocking until the sleepy neighbour got up and did something. He wouldn't take no for an answer. And that's what won the day, or perhaps I should say the night. However, following that amusing story, however memorable, Jesus goes on to comment. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and him who knocks, the door will be opened. Moreover, in the Greek, which we don't see in our English translations, in the Greek, the tense is actually what we call the present continuous. In other words, Jesus is not just saying ask, he's saying keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking. But why did Jesus emphasise persistence? And this is not the only place, because a few chapters later in Luke 18, there's a story of the woman who wants something legal. And she goes to a judge to get justice, and he dismisses her. But she persists. She nags him until finally he gives in. Clearly, Jesus applauds persistence. But why? Well, if we've looked at what Jesus says about us and prayer, we will find the answer in looking at the one to whom we pray. Of course, there's a real danger in talking about persistence in prayer, a false understanding. It's not simply going on, nag, 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 nag. All you married men know what I'm talking about. So it's not a question of nag, nag, nag. In fact, Jesus warns us in Matthew's account of the Lord's Prayer by prefacing it with a warning. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like the pagans do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Persistence is not going on and on and on and on as if we had to wear God down. It's not because the Father is reluctant to answer our prayers. Prayer is not arm-twisting. He's not too busy to listen Perhaps some of us remember Elijah's taunt on the Mount Carmel, the great uh, competition of who was going to send fire on the sacrifice. 
And the priests of Baal prayed all morning and got nowhere. And Elijah, in a very sarcastic and amusing way, says he began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or travelling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. That's not our God. Jesus demolishes this at the end of our reading. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God wants us to persist in prayer because we want to persist in our relationship with him. We need to understand there's no reluctance on God's part to answer our prayers. But, and this is vital to hear, he will only ever answer them as is best for us as is in accordance with his perfect will. Why persistence? Because I believe it builds trust. There are things I've been praying for uh, besides uh, my daughter and her partner becoming Christians, but I've been praying for for literally years and years, every day people to be healed, people to be released from their bondage. And it's not because I don't believe God's listening. I believe God wants us to be in partnership with him until the right time and it happens. Prayer is not a quick word and then get on with my life. Oh, I've done my bit. That sort of thinking. Because prayer is about relationship, God wants us to persist. We're not talking about saying hello to somebody at the bus stop that we might never see again. Prayer is about talking with, listening to somebody that our whole life is involved in. With. I could say so much more about prayer, but after nearly 50 years as a Christian, I'm still only a beginner. But if we're serious about what Paul tells the Colossians, serious about continuing to live in Him and all that comes out of that, prayer. Persistent prayer must be a priority. We need to heed the words of Jesus. When, not if, when you pray, say, Father, and bring everything to him, believing and trusting that he will answer as is best for us and for those for whom we pray. Amen.
Before our offertory prayer and our other prayers, we're going to sing our offertory.